The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And we now have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. Keep seeking the answer to poverty through government, and the problem will continue to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, not in Washington or any state's capital. The long-term success of our country will come through our children if we teach them perseverance, humility, honor, character, hope, and love. And love will lead to action. This is the Mickey Allison Show. How we raise our children today will be our legacy for good or evil. Let's change the world. Now, here is Mickey Ellison. Good morning and welcome to the Mickey Ellison Show. I am so glad that you decided to join us this week. Um, I'm going to start this show a little different than I have in the past because I, I do want to get to our guest who I am. I really feel honored to have uh, have met uh, Bruce Brown, who is our guest. Um, but I wanted to talk a, a little bit about our why. We've had uh, Katie Ersta. We've had some other folks on the show that they're involved with Beachbody, and they spend a lot of time um, teaching people how to become healthier and how to uh, – just a little bit better lifestyle, lose weight, whatever that might be. And they always talk about the why. The why is the reason that you get up and you do it when you don't want to. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, in the beginning, why I have the guests on that I have on the show. And, and I am, I'm humbled by the fact that some of these folks take their time to do this. Um, you know, Let's talk about why Katie Erster, why the people from Team Beachbody, why does it mean something to me to have them on the show? Because the reason why is I know what it's like to be 100 pounds overweight. I have pictures to prove it, and I know what it's like to get to that point and be able to maintain it for over 12 years. And for those of you that are sitting out there that, that are wanting to lose weight or whatever it might be that you're wanting to do, if especially in losing weight, if, you, if we could just provide you hope. By showing that you can do this, as hard as it may seem, there are going to be times when you're going to mess up, and, and your why will help you get through those times that you mess up. You know, another one is why do I bring David Simpson on to, to talk about finances? Um, there's a couple of reasons why I have him come on. One, I've worked in the, in the financial planning industry for the last 15 years, and, and I see some major, major, major issues in character in, in this industry. It does – it should be a fantastic industry, but yet um, I, I see things that, that really do bother me. And my why for bringing that up is because I want to have the, the courage to talk about those things, not degrading anyone because this isn't a personal attack on anyone, but it's to make – help you think. Why do I talk about debt sometimes on this show? Because I know what it's like to be – in debt from a failed business, 
and to have gone through that. And, you know, it sounds like this big, easy thing. It took 20 years to get through that and get to the point where we are today. And bringing on Bruce Brown and why proactive coaching, why do I bring them on? This is the one that hits me dearest to my heart outside of God himself. And the reason being is because I, I, I know what it took to actually make it to the college level. And, and, but the most important thing is what I learned getting there. And it's the things that I learned as, a, as a, an athlete that have carried me through losing weight, losing those 100 pounds, um, getting to the point where we are with the debt from the failed business. And it wasn't always about standing in a cage and hitting literally till my hands bled or blocking balls in the dirt, which sounds like a crazy thing to go out there and, and stick a, a pitching machine throwing a ball 80 miles an hour without a glove to block it on your knees so that it can't get by. But what I did learn on those things, those things were important for the game of baseball, but the perseverance, the honor, the integrity, the hard work and faith that I learned from those coaches that passed that information on to me is what is most important. And that's why proactive coaching and I've only known Bruce for, for a few weeks, and I've known Rob Miller, who has been on in the past for uh, a, a few months. But what I see them doing is taking what we have been given as coaches, because most of us were former athletes, taking that that, that we have been given and passing it on to others. So why do I continue to do this show? I have no desire to be famous. I have no desire to be a, a megastar radio person, but I have been given a platform to be able to bring people to you so that you can have hope, whether it be losing weight, whether it be in debt. If you're coaching baseball or you're coaching basketball, coaching any sport, you get the opportunity of a lifetime to help and, and, and or hurt the kids that you're working with each and every day. Um, Bruce, Bruce Brown is with us today from Proactive Coaching. Bruce, I know that was a little deep, but I felt in, in my heart that we needed to talk about those things and, and the importance that we have with with uh, with sports. I could give the accolades, Bruce, some of the awards that Bruce has gotten. Uh, it, it just blows my mind to be on the the Wall of Honor with uh, John Wooden's Wall of, Wall of Honor. The, the awards you got from Mike Krzyzewski and you received another one with Cal Ripken at the same time. Those are great, but those aren't why you did it, are they? No. No, not at all. Those are just byproducts of somebody's perception of what I did. So, you know, that's I, I guess that's a good thing, but not necessary. That's not why we do anything. You know, it's interesting, Mickey, your, your whole concept of why, uh, there's a lot of times that I start presentations with with that question uh you know whether i'm talking about the impact of trust or the power of your words or intentionally establishing core covenants for your for your culture a lot of times i'll start off just with make people just think a little bit by saying why do you coach and why do you coach the way you coach not saying that the way they coach is wrong just make people analyze why they do things you know why do you coach and why do you coach the way you coach and until you analyze that um, and, and, and start with that, it really, uh, everything else doesn't make much sense. Yeah. And I have to be honest with you. I didn't really ask those questions. I, we started to stumble on it with the Kings concept, um, of, of our baseball team, but we were just stumbling through it. And this year has made me realize the importance of what we have. And it's simply because first of all, getting in, introduced to, to John O'Sullivan from changing the game project. And I, 
if you're in base in sports, whatever the sport might be, and you're coaching youth youth folks, please go follow John O'Sullivan. Don't follow me. Follow John. John has fantastic work out there that will help you be a better coach and help you understand how to work with other kids. And proactive coaching at the same time does the same thing, but you guys also do it on a, on a higher level. Um, I know you just got back from, from Philadelphia and working with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. And you know what is interesting because um, one of the, one of the things that uh, coach Kelly and I are both process people. And I think we have a connection there. Um, and, you know, if you do the process well enough, you, you develop the relationships. And if you do the process well enough, you reach your goals and that, and the, with the whole idea on process. But one of the things that we've done since, uh, since the time I started working with him about five or six years ago was we exchange books. Whenever he reads a book he thinks is great or whenever I read a book that I think is, would really be helpful, I, we just send it to each other. So I got back there. And one of the first things he did, he had three books for me. One of them is right down, right in your, right in your wheelhouse, buddy. It was called Start with Why. And I, I'm just, uh, it's, it's. I've already read the first one he gave me, and I'm into the second one. And this is the second one, so I'm into it far enough to know that I'm turning over a lot of corners of pages. So Start with Why is um, is something that we spent a lot of time talking about back there. Man, I wish I could get a hold of that in an audio book. So I'm about to spend 18 hours in a car driving to <laughs> driving to South Carolina to. Uh, you know, we, we've got a pretty exciting, uh, I think, concept that we're coming up with with one of my my friends who is a, a former athlete is is active in helping people um, become healthier with with, with Beachbody. And I, I, you don't have to get healthy using Beachbody. I, I didn't lose my weight with Beachbody. I just have maintained it with Beachbody. Um, I. I, I honestly, I wound up doing. You, you've seen that commercial on TV, P90X, that guy doing those crazy exercises, right? Mm-hmm, right. And and I bought that simply because I, you know, I don't know if people understand this. If you have been extremely overweight, and, and I'm sure people that have lost the weight, there is a fear. There is a fear out there of getting back to where you were before you lost the weight. And I lost the weight, Bruce, doing nothing. I just ran. I'm literally, I just went out and ran and I ran and I ran and I ran. But one of the byproducts of running every day for 10 years is your knees and your hips, especially my, my, mine was my hips start to wear down. And at that point I had an extreme fear of not being able to do what I had been doing for 10 years to keep that weight off. And it was working. I, I, I don't have any, I, desire to look like uh, Johnny Atlas or any of those people that were out there. But, but the reason I was introduced to Beachbody is because I saw that, that commercial on there and I thought, I wonder if this would be easier on my hips if I did. And it sounds crazy to watch this guy doing all these pull-ups, but in the end, it was what, what I needed. And, and I found some beautiful people within that organization at, at, at Beachbody. And they use a lot of the same concepts that you use in, in teaching intentional teaching i i think we will use probably what you have on here to to develop what we're going to do because we're going to actually put together a spiritual physical and financial aspect tying all these things together because ultimately uh, a complete life is going to need all three nice so yep. but go ahead well, no, I was just going to say, you know, it's it's interesting because the I, I I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, but where we get invited and 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 it, follows through at every level. We get invited to the people at the very, very bottom that are struggling, and we get invited to the people who are at the very, very top. And the people at the bottom know, especially in the athletic world, if they don't make some changes, they're probably going to be out of a job. But the people at the top are always looking for an edge. 
They're constantly looking, is there an edge that we can use that's going to make a little bit of a difference? And uh, when you're around people that are like that and, and so focused and so intentional, it is, it's, you know, I, I, I often think I, I get more out of it than I really share. So that was, a, that was an interesting trip to, to Philadelphia, and it was a great four days, and he had some very specific things he wanted me to do, and it was, uh, you know, it just it starts at the top with leadership. Well, and, and I don't know if that will make folks feel a little intimidated to try to contact you guys to work with their programs because you spend probably most of your time working with, with programs that maybe none of us have ever heard of, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very funny. Matter of fact, uh, you know, we, most of our work is done with high school coaches and, and even youth coaches, but mainly high school and, and, and college coaches. But um, it, I think what we do applies at any level of coaching. It just is a matter of just kind of adjusting it to your age. Um, that you know, it was, it was funny because one of the things Coach asked me back there was, you know, how are we doing on our culture change? How's the speed of our culture change in, in the time we've been here? And and he and we, I know him well enough. We can I can tease him and stuff. So I said, you know, I think you're doing great. I think it's really fast. But I said, you know, right now you're in second place. <laughs> and he, he didn't like that. <laughs> so he goes to who? And I said, well, actually to Corinne Cope. He goes. Who is Corinne Cope? Well, I was about to ask you the same thing. I said, she is a high school dance teacher at Eastlake High School in Sammamish, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, what? So I told him about this, this young lady who had taken over a program and had completely changed the culture and had become state multiple times state champions and stuff. And, and uh, also that one time when I was working with her, I had said something about something that had happened at Oregon when I was down there on a, in a good way. And, and she goes, Oregon, oh, I love Chip Kelly. As soon as I said that, he goes, okay, <laughs> we got to do something for her. So <laughs> he, he made a sign that said, you know, I think Corinne and Eastlake Dance Team, congratulations for your state championship, this big sign. And he holds it up and brings the guy in to take a picture of the two of us with that. She, she about fell off her Facebook page when I put it on there. So <laughs> he's... He's a, he is uh, creative and fun, and you know, like most great leaders, he he, he has a absolute passion for what the, for what he does. Yeah. Well, Bruce, let, let's talk a little a little bit about, and I know we hit on this last time that you were on the show. Um, it, it's intentional coaching, and, mm-hmm. and what what that what intentional coaching looks like, because I, I know a lot of us get into to youth, and that's where my experience is, is in youth coaching, but. We get into it, I, I think, for the right reasons. Probably the reason I got into coaching baseball is because it's, I love the sport. I can't explain to you how much I love the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I also want to be able to pass down the information that I that I have from the experiences that I from playing, and some of the mistakes that I made. Some of the some of the we talk about the why. You know, my my I don't know about you, but my why in high school was I just wanted to be the best I could possibly be. And I lost that why somewhere around my my junior year of, of college, and you know what? I can't get that back. I lost that why, and I those two years were the two years that may have been the the most important for me to be able to continue playing the game, possibly at a professional level. But I began to feel sorry for myself because you know what? I wasn't getting the playing time that I I thought I deserved. I probably was just a terrible teammate for two years. Mm-hmm. Well, and. and Go ahead. When you when you start talking about intention, I think you know uh, you, you start with why. And I, and here's a, just a couple of beliefs that go right back to why. I think that the character lessons that are intentionally taught and practiced will be a coach's best legacy. 
Uh, I think that all character traits that are learned from a, a positive athletic experience will apply directly to every team in, 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 your, in your life, your family, your businesses, your schools, everything, everything that you're going to do. And, and the last thing is, is we're all competitive. We wouldn't be here. And I think anything you can do to improve the character of your athletes and your team improves your chances for success in every way, including the scoreboard. So that's why. And the truth is, people said, you know, why do you take the time to intentionally uh, define and, and shape accountability or discipline or uh, teachable spirit or mental toughness? And the truth is, because I want my guys to beat your guys. Okay. <laughs> and I know if you got two teams on the plain, same playing field and one's mentally tough and one's mentally weak, I know where I'm putting my money. So, the, the, uh-huh. you know, so it's the competitive nature that allows us to do this, but it's getting back to what is the big picture, and the big picture is the legacy part. Yeah, and, and the the legacy part, I, I, I think I'd, I – I don't know if I've told you about our my high school baseball coach who, who does mean quite a lot to me, uh, Roger Finley is uh he just retired this past year had the uh sec had the second most wins in south carolina state history in baseball um and you know what is interesting is when you go talk to him about that he'll he will he won't take credit for it he'll look at hey in fact i asked him one time i think he was the fastest to 100 wins in in the state the state's history and i asked him i said what do you attribute that to he says um good players yep he says, i didn't have anything to do with it he says I, I basically you guys were taught how to play the game before you got to me he says, all I had to do was motivate you, and that's what he did. We're going to go to a break now. We're going to talk more with Bruce Brown uh, about intentional coaching and even more about the why when we get back from this break. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit, but are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Expect the unexpected each week with Extreme Radio, presented by Fitness RX for Men magazine. Exclusive interviews with celebrities, sports stars, comedians, with co-hosts Greg Valentino and Joe Piatero. Tune in every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for Extreme Radio on VoiceAmerica.com. Want to help make our world a better place, but not sure where to start? Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. tuned to the mickey ellison show to connect with the show today please call 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or you can drop mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com like our show on facebook now back to the show 
Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show, and, and our special guest today is Bruce Brown from Proactive Coaching. We spent a lot of time in the first segment talking about about the why, and and what I mean by the why is why do you do anything? And, and if you're going to do anything, I, I believe that you have to do whatever it is to the best of your ability. As a born again Christian, I am told to do everything as if I'm doing it for God. Now, if I look at my if my history, can I? Say that I've done everything to be, to the best of my ability. No, I can look at the last two years of, of college baseball and tell you I didn't go through those. You know, Bruce, I'll give you a, an, an idea of of where where I was and what the two differences. There's there, there's there's two stories. I was in high school, my my ninth grade year. I was coming into a high school team that had just won the state championship the previous year. Um, they had eight returning starters. So that meant we were going to be really good again, correct? Correct. The problem was the only <laughs> position open was second base. And I had played about five games at second base in my entire life and had no idea what I was doing. So my Christmas present that year was to the Doyle Baseball School in uh, Winter Haven, Florida. I don't know if it's still there or not, and to learn how to play second base. So I go, I go through, do all the work, and then the season starts. Well, as a pretty good athlete, I had never experienced having to sit any innings on the bench. And I'm the new guy. My brother, my brother's actually the star on the team. He, I mean, it, he wound up playing in college. He still holds the, the record for, for career home runs at uh, USC Upstate, which used to be USC Spartanburg. And I remember coming home one day complaining. And my dad wouldn't have any of it. I said, Dad, why am I not playing? Blah, 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 blah. He says, what can you control? <laughs> I said, he says, you can control how hard you work and how hard you, and, and, and the results will speak for themselves. And if you're good enough, he will play you because I promise you, Roger doesn't care which one of you is playing in that nine starting the, starting the game. He's going to put the nine best that he feels is going to give you the best chance to win the games on the field. And that, that went to cause me to go to work. And it caused me to actually be these. We reached the playoffs. We got beaten the state championship that year in the state championship game. But the entire playoffs, I was a starting second baseman, and um, I didn't sit an inning. And fast forward a few years to college. I and you know how this can be at the college ranks sometimes, Bruce. I'm sure there's never been a coach that 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 has kind of lied to you a little bit in the recruiting process. And you you show up to school and you find out when you thought you were the it was the perfect setup. We had a guy that was going to be Mark Crupton was going to be our um, starting catcher. He was going to be a senior. Perfect situation coming in and into the SEC. You're going to get a little bit of playing time as a freshman, but you're also going to learn from someone who is really good at the game, right? So, um, Mark, as the year progressed, I actually as the first day I got there. I realized that I wasn't the only catcher that they had recruited, and a guy named Jeff Martin, who was the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Tennessee, was fighting for the same position I had. I was fighting for. <laughs> and bad luck for Mark, for Mark, Mark towards rotator cuff, which all of a sudden throws Jeff and I into the mix. Now, there's nobody else to go to but the two of us, and man, I kicked, kicked it, and I worked my tail off, and we opened up the season um, – against Tennessee, or open up the conference season against Tennessee, I was the starting catcher. I was 175, 180 pounds soaking wet. Jeff was about 230, 6'2", and he could play. And 
as the season progressed, I, Bruce, I thought college baseball was going to be easy because I was hitting about 400, and I've got proof of it on video against Florida in the second or third series of the year. <laughs> and then I, I think maybe some scouting reports got out there, or maybe I don't know what it was. I thought I was going to go 0 for April. And literally, I went 0 from April 1st to April 16th. Well, that had an impact on how much playing time I was getting at that point in time. Well, I continued to work. I continued to work. And, you know, I didn't get the playing time. Coming into our sophomore year, I wind up having uh, the best of the th- four years that I had at Vanderbilt. Hitting, I hit 315 with six or eight home runs, something like that, and, and less than 100 at-bats. And I, for whatever reason, what I, I can tell you the moment when I kind of – I didn't quit, but I did quit. You know players that do that? Yep. We were playing at they Georgia. quit in their Joe, mind. Yeah, I quit in my mind. We were playing at Georgia – um, Jeff was hurt. So I, and Mark had gotten to the point where he, he could actually, he had redshirt one year, so he could actually catch one game. And because of his rotator cuff, he couldn't throw for a week after he caught that game. So I knew I was going to catch two of the three games on the weekend series against Georgia. Going into that series, I, in, in that series, I wound up going five for seven with two home runs. And in the, in the third game, we scored six runs. I had six RBIs and two home runs in that game. I didn't play for another month. As a starter, it felt like it might have been two weeks, to be honest. It's been a long time. And that's the moment when I just pulled back and quit. That's when I needed that proactive coach that would come in and step and recognize what he saw from me and say, what are you doing? Why are you quitting? Because I, it was had to be obvious. And, and frankly, Coach Buford probably should have just cut my scholarship for that senior year, but he had enough character not to do that. You know, the best coaches, the best coaches, the one you're talking about right there that you needed are what we call positive demanding. You know, they're, they demand from everything you've got, uh, but they do it in a positive way. It's, it's like the teacher who's tough, nice, and, but they, they call things what they are. They get right to the heart of it. They don't mince their words, but they do it in a, in a loving and caring way. You know, the, one of the comments you, you mentioned, uh, triggered something when you said, you know, that, uh, college could talk about college coaches. There isn't a college coach alive that isn't going to recruit somebody that's better than you. In other words, <laughs> you know, I, I tell kids that when they get a college scholarship and they kind of sit back and take a deep breath and think, okay, I've arrived. I say, you haven't arrived. You great athletes, great competitors never arrive. They're constantly trying to get better because you think that you're, you're finally there and you've achieved your goal and you're going to be able to get all this plan time and stuff. But the truth is they're constantly looking for somebody who's better than you. Yeah, probably. that's that's the reality of that's the reality of, of college coaching. And 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 the you probably is the time when you're going to have to work the hardest because you know it's it's a funny thing when you when you go from high school where you're you're three hole hitter, conference player of the year, and you get to this this lineup and you suddenly realize that all nine hitters in this lineup were probably three hole hitters and conference <laughs> players of the year. So it isn't you aren't very special here now. You got to re you got to do it again, but. Um, one of, hey, one of the most challenging team uh, building things I've ever gone through was coaching junior college basketball, community college basketball. I did it when I was really young. Now think about what that is, trying to create a, a great team culture. Think about what you've got. You've got 12 players, all of whom were captain, leading scorer, and inspiration on their high school team. Okay? And they're all coming together at a junior college, and the only reason they're at a junior college is in their mind they think that they've been overlooked by UCLA and everybody else. Okay. That they're that they're they're supposed to be there, and they they all of a sudden ended up in this junior college where 
you know, they shouldn't be. Uh, and, and only five of them can start. And the only reason that they're at a junior college is to move. I mean, they uh-huh. want to get, okay. Yeah, that's true. And so that you, is take, true. you take those most challenging things that you can have and to turn that into a great team culture is really fun. So, you, you know, <laughs> I, I, something else I didn't, don't want to let go is I, I, you said Vanderbilt, and I know that you're going to have on Coach Corbin, I think, in, a, in, a, in the future here. And uh, he is one of the most intentional uh, coaches that you're ever going to find. He is absolutely everything with intention. And you're going to love being around him. We've, that's been one of our clients for the last few years, and he is something special. Yeah, and I look forward to having him on, not just because he is was at, is at my former alma mater. And, you know, I, obviously they won the, the College World Series this year, and and um, it, it sounds like a great guest. But I have him on, I, I wanted him to come on more so to talk about things like what, what we're talking about. Because when, when you, you watch them carry themselves on the field and, and the, off the field, that's, that's who – we, we want our players to become it, they they brought pride to those of us that were at Vanderbilt. but when you know when we were we were the doormat of the conference you know it wasn't always we didn't finish last every year that i was there but for heaven's sakes we didn't have lights we're in sec we didn't have lights our press box was a folding table and folding chairs right above sitting on top of our dugout on the first base side and to watch what has happened to that program does bring some pride and i tell you what bruce I spent, and I can't. I just apologize for this. I spent a lot, a lot of time with pent up anger at the program because I never looked in the mirror to realize it was not Roy Meburn that I didn't. The reason I didn't move on, it was Mickey Ellison. Yeah, that, that's who it was. And none of us like to actually have to look in the mirror and say that. You know, when I when I was a hundred pounds overweight, I didn't like one. I didn't like to look in the mirror, but two. Who else could I blame for that? No one. The the failed business that we had, yeah, we had some we had some bad breaks, but ultimately all the decisions came down to to me and what we were doing in that business. And and I thank God every day of for for the wife that I have. Nikki Ellison is the most precious person in, in my entire life. Bruce, I'm telling you, literally, we got married in 1995. I quit my job. We got married in June. I quit my job in May. So she has never, she, up until recently, she had never experienced our marriage without financial difficulties. Never. And yet she's still here with me to this day. But let, let, let's talk about some of the lessons that, that we learn through sports. Because I'm telling you, it may have taken some time for these, these traits to kick back in. But the same drive that did get me to, to Vanderbilt and being able to play at the college level was the same drive I was going to need to lose the weight. And it was a matter of finding that spark, and, and, and I did. I found that spark, and for whatever reason, I've been able to maintain it. And, and now I find that same spark in, in, in coaching with, with these kids and, and something that we're really working towards uh, putting together. Hopefully, in the, you know, the, the beginnings of it will be this year. But, but talk about some of the lessons that you want, you want your players to, to get that do make them better players, but in the end, make them better people. Well, you know, we have actually have a booklet called Life Lessons for Athletes, which is which focuses on the the character traits that that all kids should be not only exposed to but learn how to embrace uh, at, through athletic experience. It isn't just athletes; almost any team situation they can learn them. Uh, one example is the teachable spirit, and the word that kids have probably heard before is coachable. 
And, and really what that means is that somewhere along their, in their life that somebody taught them how to take correction as a compliment. And now that's not something you're born with. Somebody taught you that. It might have been a third grade teacher. It might have been a grandma. But somebody taught you that. And you can, you can, uh, a teachable spirit is one of those character traits that you can see, you know, when you walk in any practice. You can go to any practice in the world. You can watch. You can, uh, a teachable spirit is visible. The first thing you notice is that when the kid's getting corrected, he's looking directly at the person who's correcting him. Both eyes, both ears, directly at them. And it's not out of fear. It's out of, I'm going to get something out of this. If they use their voice, their voice says this, thanks, coach. And, and thanks, Coach, for caring about me. You think I can get better? Thank you, Coach, for loving me enough. You think I'm capable of improving? Uh, th- that's what that's a that's a that's a learned uh, response. And well, you know, and it basically, if you if you come to a culture or a, t- a team where uh, a teachable spirit hasn't been taught, oftentimes the kids feel like they're being criticized uh, in, instead of corrected. They look away. They walk away. They're embarrassed. Uh, first thing out of a, a teachable spirit's mouth is thanks coach the first thing out of an athlete uh, 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 somebody hasn't learned it is is usually an excuse and and we're dealing with this with kids we're talking about you know excuses don't exist on on great teams excuses don't come from the mouths of leaders excuses don't come from the mouths of competitors excuses basically are a form of cowardice i'm i'm excusing myself from responsibility i've got to my teammates to get better so you know that's just there's i think we talk in the booklet about discipline about integrity uh, about mental toughness uh, just, just things that the, the, the first way you teach something like that is you define it. And so that booklet basically talks about selflessness and mental toughness and those other, other 10 different things. And they're, and it's defined and it's defined in athletic, uh, terms and hopefully are age appropriate that coaches can actually use to, to define and start the process of putting those into kids' lives. Now, now do you help, help coaches to, to be able to bring it down to, to, uh, uh, an appropriate level because there is a difference in coaching a 10 year old versus coaching an 18 year old. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I have, I, I, I read one of your posts on Facebook and I, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing this that, you know, if you're it, something to the effect that if you're, if your coach is correct and you said it a minute ago, take that as a compliment. And I used to tell our kids that if I'm getting, and I may not have phrased it right, if I'm getting on you and I'm, I'm and probably that's where they pull back a little bit is how I phrase that. But if I if I am spending the time to help correct you on this, that means I believe that you can do it. Yeah. If I ever stop doing that, that's when you get concerned because I've I've come to the conclusion that you're just not physically capable of doing what I'm asking you to do. Yeah. And 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 that's you know, and as a coach, you have to kind of weigh that. I mean, uh, you have to you have to weigh is this person capable of achieving this? And if they aren't, then you've got to find something at, at a little bit lower level that they can achieve. But you know. When we're talking about character choices, you're talking about, about mental toughness or discipline or, or teachable spirit or selflessness. Those are choices. Okay? Th- those are choices. Those aren't something that you're, you know, those are things you can make today. I mean, I, we say to young people when we give that presentation, if you walked in here today without a teachable spirit, that's your choice. If you exit today without a teachable spirit, that's a choice that you're saying, my team isn't that important to me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, make the choice right now. So when, when you're doing physical skills, yeah, it's, you've got to temper it a little bit. But when you're doing character things, uh, you know, I think kids are capable of learning all kinds of stuff. But the first way they're going to learn is to see it in us. Yep, yep. And that is, uh, I, I think that's where I see some of the motivation from, from the folks that are, are, are using the Team Beachbody stuff is that they're, one of their, a couple of them, their why was, was they simply wanted 
in the society we live in today, it's easy to get caught up in playing video games. There's so many distractions for these kids these days. But um, these parents are going. The reason they chose this lifestyle and what they're doing and changing their eating habits and changing their their physical habits, the big big why was their kids because we can. We can sit here and tell our kids all the things in the world that we want them to do, but if we're not doing the exact same things that we're telling them to do, they're never going to do them. No. And, Bruce, we're at a break right now. Um, when we get back from this break, we'll talk a little bit more about it. And, and I may even hit you up a little bit on, on, on some of what you guys have actually done in my album model with, with Coach Tim Corbin since he's going to be on next week. Folks, okay. we'll be back in a second. Are you happy with just accepting and passing along what the media, politicians, and government are feeding you? Or are you positively sick of it? It's time to get the real facts and form your own decisions. It's time to awaken the sleeper within you. Each week, host Dr. Nick Castellano will uncover various viewpoints and topics designed to inform and present the truth. Today's masses are manipulated by media coverage, and we will not become sheeple. Tune in to Awaken the Sleeper, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. are tuned to the mickey ellison show to connect with the show today please call 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or you can drop mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com like our show on facebook now back to the show welcome back to the mickey ellison show where in the first segment, we spent time talking about our why. We probably hit that again on the second segment. And, and I have Bruce Brown with me from Proactive Coaching, who I am looking forward to, Bruce. You may not be looking forward to this, but I am looking forward to working with you in, in a project that, that has just uh, – the, 
the the egg has just been laid. It hasn't been hatched yet, and, and and it's intentional coaching because I've told you and I've told the listeners on the show about the team that we started. We changed their name several years ago to the Kings, which stands for Kids in God's Service, and and a lot of what we were trying to do intentionally through that we never actually put in paper. And then I I speaking of life lessons for athletes that you you talked about one of the booklets in the last segment. I'm holding it here in front of me, and I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm going. Hey, there's the Kings in writing. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, t- talking about in- intentional coaching and and um, wh- what what are you hoping to get out of? Uh, why why did you go the direction you've gone with proactive coaching versus um, you know just going off into the sunset and enjoy retirement? Because I think if you're a coach and you're a teacher, that's what you are. It isn't a matter. Of, it is. It is not a job. It, it's a. It's a mission. It's a passion. It's a ministry. It's. It's. It's who you are. And I, I think you know. Oftentimes you run into older coaches uh, that maybe haven't continued to do it. But if you start talking to them about coaching, they just come alive. Uh, I was in a. I was in a clinic. Oh, it's probably been about six years ago now, and it was. Um, uh, a clinic that had something to do with uh, uh, with coaching through a faith-based lens. And the other two speakers, and I don't know if you know these two names, they're both Northwest names, but one of them was uh, Marv Harshman, who was the head basketball coach at Washington and Washington State and had been at PLU. And the other one was a guy named Frosty Westring. And if, it, if your listeners don't know who Frosty Westring is, they need to go and look up the book, The Big Time is Where You Are. And Frosty was a small college coach who never left. Anyway, these two gentlemen had basically been out of coaching for quite a while, and they were the other two speakers. And Coach Harshman uh, was, they were both in their late 80s, and uh, the guy that went and picked them up came up to me and he said, you wouldn't have believed that I went and picked up Coach Harshman this morning like at 6.30. He was at the front door, couldn't wait. You know, and he came in when I saw him. He didn't look very healthy. He he was pretty hunched over. He was he was um, just looked kind of unstable almost. But he got up on that stage, and when he was time for him to present, he just flat came alive. And it was just it just made your heart just race just watching him. Just once he got into his 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 real purpose, what that did to him. So, you know, that was that was. So it was an eye-opener for me to think, you know, why would people like that that have that kind of passion and purpose ever stop doing it? Yeah, and, and I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. That you, I think it once it gets in you, it's just it's there. Yeah. And, and the I found that passion again with, with these boys. And, you know, my love for the game of baseball is there. And man, if 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 I can if I can if they can experience, even though I had those bad two years that were my fault in the last two years I was a fan, they were horrible. Don't get me wrong. I still I still played the game and 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 did okay. But you know that it just brings you alive. When I'm out there with the, with those kids and I see them making progress, we we I've told this story a couple times on the show. We have one kid on this team that. Bruce, he is the most gifted athlete that I've ever coached, bar none. And when he figures that out, his upside is so great. And it's not just in baseball, it's in basketball, it's in football. And one of the booklets that you have there is about trust. It was his first year on our team. And I didn't have the booklet. I didn't recognize what you have. I recognized it, but I didn't have it in writing. 
And I, I quickly figured out that this kid is beaten down. Yeah. And he trusts no one. And, um, you know, it took some time. We, we would take him to the lake with us when we would go. We'd have him spend the night with us so, so that he would realize I cared more about him as a person than I did as a baseball player. You know, Mickey, I think that's one of the things that's changed in, in my lifetime. As a, as a young person, I was, I was taught by my parents to trust adults. You trust the policeman. You trust the teacher. You trust the coach. That's that's part of who you are. And I think a lot of, for a lot of different reasons, I, I think uh, young people today are taught to distrust. You know, you know, really hold back, not not be very careful who you who you trust. And so it becomes even more important that people in positions of leadership understand what it takes to be trusted. Yeah, and and it was a. It, it took a long time with Chance, and, and by the end of the year, um, I I had seen him flourish. And once you know, once he really, really figures out how to play the game fearlessly, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, and, and, and uh, that, that's it, that's the result of trust. Uh, I mean, the, the booklet on impact of trust basically answers the question: Have you ever had a coach that you trusted? If so, why? And what difference did that trust make in your performance? And have you ever had a coach who you distrusted? If so, why? And what difference does that make in your performance? And that was interviewing thousands of former athletes and young athletes and college athletes. And there's no more essential ingredient for character growth and and even skill growth than trust. Uh, yeah, and, and I can vouch for that because yeah. that may you know as I think about it and as you were saying it, it, it goes back to. Um, my, my days in high school, my high school coach could, uh, I would run through a wall for him. Mm-hmm. I still would run through a wall for him. And my college coach, maybe, you know, maybe that's one of the areas where um, I, I began to lose trust. I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, but, you know, that that may have been one of those things where I might have, I might have actually gone and, and talked to Coach Finley if I was having an issue. Coach Muburn, for whatever reason, and he's never done anything negative to me, gave me the greatest opportunity in the world. I got to play college baseball in the SEC. But for whatever reason, apparently that trust wasn't there, and maybe it was because I I, I didn't know that the I, I I really think they probably thought Jeff was going to get drafted and and sign, so it was going to be pretty safe that I was the guy. But Jeff decided not to sign and come to college. But um, trust is is huge, and I think it's and, and it does speak to to the society that we live in. I don't have all the answers to that, Bruce. I think I had I, I can see some of the symptoms. You know, one. Um, as kids, we used to, we'd wake up in the morning and we'd, we would go out into our neighborhood and I, I lived in a very rural part of South Carolina, but we had neighbors within a hundred yards of us and we would just disappear till lunchtime. Then we would disappear again till, till dinnertime. And we were in, in, in the woods behind the house. We were playing a wiffle ball. Good heavens. My dad had to install a floodlight in the back of the house because we wanted to play. We didn't have, an, we hadn't had enough when it got dark. But but do you sounds think like that my, is sounds like my childhood? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we couldn't figure out how to do a ball game in in, in the yard, my grandfather had had put had built a pool swimming pool in between our house and his house, and we turned it. It, it was some type of ball game going on at all times, and, mm-hmm. and we would make up some of the goofiest rules. But man, was it fun! And I think that's one of the things that that these kids are missing out. And John O'Sullivan talks a lot about this. And probably made us um, help make us the players that we were was the pl- the free play that we had. Yeah, we went out there and we enjoyed we we enjoyed the game. We we played and man were we competitive and we'd fight. 
oh, God, we'd fight over those games. But as soon as the game was over, we were eating watermelon and, and drinking a Coke to go along with it. Yep. Like yep. it had never happened. But yep. do you think that's part of the problem where today's neighborhoods, we don't even really know our neighbors. Yeah. And I, we, I think, we don't, yeah, one of the biggest ahead. changes is that youth sports has gone from peer control like you're, like you talked about, to adult control, and that's not a bad thing, but it does take away some of that free play opportunity and for kids to resolve their own situations and, you know, uh, to balance the teams and to make their own calls and all that kind of stuff that allowed you to kind of just get through that stage without having somebody tell you how to do everything and where you're going to stand and what you're going to wear. So yeah, and that gets back to trust too, and you know the whole thing of of trust displaces fear and it sets up an, an ideal environment for learning and the whole learning process speeds up when you remove fear from the environment it just you know it's it's and so the the key for coaches is how do you do that how, how do you, and i think that for and for most of us building trust takes a long time uh-huh. but for coaches i think there's an advantage they have an advantage that most other professions don't have and that is how you deal with kids mistakes and and if you think about what we ask kids to do, Mickey, I mean, it is we're constantly asking kids to learn new strategies, new concepts, new skills, and that requires a great deal of failure, and that yes, just comes with the territory. Here, here's and that requires a great deal of self-confidence to fail, especially public failure. And athletics mm-hmm. is public failure. Even practice is public failure. So, mm-hmm. so we're asking kids to constantly learn things and to fail in front of other people. That's not normal. That requires a great deal of self-confidence, a level of self-confidence that most adolescents, much less younger kids, have. So the, so the key ingredient here is, is how the person in charge of the, how they deal with somebody's failure. And, and the, the, the key thing we try to teach coaches is learn how to differentiate between the type of, type of failure it is. So you're watching a kid, and, he, and he's in performing, and he fails at something. And you look at it, and you've got to say to yourself very quickly, was that failure because of lack of attention and, and being lazy or whatever? That's a behavioral problem. That's, a, that's another whole presentation. Was that, was that failure done at full speed and full effort, doing it the best that kid was capable of? Then if that's the case, you have to be able to dignify, dignify that mistake. Good idea. This time do this. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the ability, you know, I, I think when you're looking at trust, the Greeks had a word called macrothumia. And macrothumia meant when a person was in a position of power where they could take revenge or do, you know, take, you know kind of put, put it into a fear kind of a situation, and they choose not to. When they're in a position to maybe do you harm, and they choose not to. That's what coaches, that's where coaches are. We're in a position of authority where we could embarrass or use sarcasm or, or demean, and when we choose not to, and dignify a kid's best effort, you're going to get a natural skill progression and you get that trust built up much quicker than almost any other, any other adult that they're going to deal with in their life. Well, and what a great concept. What, what was that word again? Macrothumia. But, because that, I mean, that transcends sports right there because it, it, I think that if we use that in, in our daily lives, because our, when, when someone wrongs us, when someone does something to us that we don't like, our first response and our human nature is revenge. Yeah. I got to get back at them. And, and and sometimes maybe they did it on accident. Sometimes they did it on purpose. And, you, you know, it, it reminds me of our Lord and Savior as, as being the the ultimate in, I can't say that word, in, in what he did on, ultimately on the cross for yeah. us. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that, uh, you know, this is, the, 
he wasn't a man. He was God in the form of a man. He could have stopped those guys from putting him on the cross at any time. And he chose to sacrifice. He sacrificed for us, and I, I think that's what we have to do as as coaches is to uh, to we we do have to sacrifice that you know our, our it's just like when when the kid really messes up, our instinct may be to get on them when at that point in time they may need to just know that you believe in them. And you and know that what? You're, the bigger the mistake done at full attention and full effort, the more important it is we find a way to dignify it. So okay. you know, I mean that that makes the, that makes that step even faster. You know, it's it's. Uh, it's just as critical in, in, in a competitor's growth and also in their performance. Trust just makes a huge difference. Trust allows you to win, Mickey. Yeah, well, and, and let's talk about that. That ties us right into to next week's guest and, and the work that you guys have done with Tim Corbin at, and at Vanderbilt because it is obvious those guys trust him. If you go watch what they do in the outfield in between innings, you know they trust him. Yeah. But, but tell uh, – what what experience have you had with, with Coach Corbin, and what makes him special? Well, when I first met Coach Corbin, I had spoken at the American Baseball Coaches Association, and um, uh, he called me and, and asked if he could actually come up to Camano Island and meet with me. Uh, he's one of those guys who's just constantly looking for growth, constantly looking for uh, self, self-assessment. And he, first time I'd ever met him, he drove up to Camano Island, Washington, and, and spent a day or so with us, and he is... Um, he just had a whole list of questions on, on things that he was doing on, that, that he could potentially do better. Uh, we, just, we probably spent six or seven hours just, just sharing ideas and talking. And then I've been down there a few times, and, and he is um, the epitome of trust. You can see it in those players' eyes. Uh, I have a picture uh, that I use on one of our PowerPoint presentations of him on his athlete's shoulders. And them looking up at him, and I'll tell you what, it just brings a tear to your eye to, to, to see the level of love and care and trust that those people have in him. Uh, he, first of all, he's trusted because he has tremendous knowledge. He, he, he just has phenomenal knowledge about the game and how to teach it. And, um, he is, and he's a great teacher. He's a master teacher. He's a creative craftsman. He's, he just he understands the whole educational process. His classroom down at Vanderbilt, they have a baseball classroom right there in their stadium that is probably as good a classroom setting as anywhere you're ever going to find anywhere. The second reason that he's trusted is because those kids know he cares. I mean, they just absolutely positively know that he cares about them. And same with Maggie, his, his wife. I mean, there's just a there's, – you cannot escape the care uh, that those kids feel from him. And the third reason yeah. he's trusted is – because of his personal character. You trust people based upon their personal character. He is who he says he is. He's the same in every situation. He's, he's not going to blow with the wind. He is, he's a man of integrity. He's a, he's a man of really high character, and that comes out in every single thing that he does. His, his yes means yes. His no means no. His, you know, his handshake seals it. I mean, his word is good. It's just, he, he, is, he can be counted on in any situation, and that is probably you know, the the bottom line for most people, especially if trust is going to be for any length of time. Violations of character are the most difficult ones to recover from. Uh, so it's it's the trust. Um, trust allows you to win. And, 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 and unfortunately, 
we're we're at the end of the show. We need two hours, three hours to do this show. But I, I appreciate you coming on again, Bruce, and I can't wait to introduce the, the listeners to the Mickey Ellison Show to, to Coach Corbin. And we do have a history. Um, I, I, I Maybe a, a, something different in life would have happened if I had made, signed that piece of paper when I was trying to trying to get him to give me a hat sitting in his office at Presbyterian College in ni- 1988. But, uh, hey, Bruce, thank you so much for coming on the show. I look forward to working with you in this Kings project that I have kind of brought up to you. And um, uh, and. and uh, you guys are doing great things, and anything I can do to help uh, promote and for people to know that you're out there, I'll do. Thanks, Mickey, and thank you for following your calling, buddy. It's very evident. All right. Well, thank you, Bruce. Hey, thank you guys for listening to the show. Coach Tim Corbin, coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores, your College World Series champions for 2014, will be with us next week. See you then. Thanks so much for joining us on the Mickey Ellison Show. Mickey plans to be here again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hope you'll be here, too. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.